0: follow the relationship podcast the podcast about leadership potential and getting out of your own way Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Dauphine, and thanks for joining me on the Father Relationship Podcast. Really appreciate hearing from you guys these last few weeks. It means a lot. Um, please continue sharing and just uh, subscribing. It means the world to me. we was thinking about failure this week and thinking about all the, the things I've learned from failure. I grew up in a really small town called Patton, Maine. Um, Patton is basically the gateway to the Northwoods um, Park Road, so the, national, the Wood is now a national forest but also the north gate to Baxter State Park. So if you ever heard of people hiking the Appalachian Trail, they start in Spring Hill, Georgia, usually in February, and they finish in September, October in Maine, Mount Katahdin. So, um that's the, where I lived, and 900 people in the woods, basically. And just to show you how far north we were, and how remote, um, Canada was 34 miles to the east, so um, civilization was a long way off, Bangor was further south, and but even that, I lived in town. I lived in town in Patton. My parents' best friends, Robert and Louise Guptill, they owned the Cedar Valley Farm at the end of, I'm not making this up, at the end of the Happy Corner Road. They lived at the end of the Happy Corner Road, and Robert 's family had basically homesteaded this dairy farm of a thousand acres um, back in like early 1900s and Robert was a third generation farmer. <laughs> And I started shoveling manure and throwing hay for Robert when I was 11, I think was the first summer. And then from 12 on, from 12 until like 20, I'd come home in colleges and I would work on the farm. And uh, if you've read my book, Extraordinary, The World Soldier Map, What You Need Is a Compass, you know that Robert makes an appearance Robert is responsible for so many pieces of my own story and my life, but I was thinking the other day about one in particular. Um, When summer comes, you basically have two seasons in Maine, and so we had mostly dairy cows, and so one, that's an amazing thing. If you know any dairy farmers, it's a crazy deal. In my in my head, I was always like, "It's a world where like you can never take time off. Like there's no weekends. The cows have to be milked twice a day, no matter what. There's no there's no not doing that." And so I'm always I've always always thought that was just the hardest job in the world, and I'm it probably was. And milk prices and all those other things they dealt with. It was just man, I have so much respect for farmers. But I started young working there and in the summertime so you had two seasons because we would grow our own crop and then we would grow silage which is basically green chopped hay that would have to be stored and then we would grow we'd also harvest our own hay and so you've seen bales of hay and then eventually ground bales that was a big thing but the whole first part of the season was this chopping and so what would happen is is that you'd have all these fields and fields and fields of this green alfalfa grass or or Timothy grass and It would get mowed and chopped green. And then we would compress it in a silo, pack it down in order to preserve it. And then that would be fed in the winter. And that had even more nutritional value than like dry hay. So there you go. Your big lesson on agriculture, silage versus hay. Well, in the early days, probably, I'm probably 15, 14, 15, um, Your job was so like in the summer times you had all kinds of things going on and so you might have school You might have some volunteer thing like vacation Bible school or some other thing going on in the morning And then after lunch you'd go in those of us who are young kids and you'd work on the farm all day Late into the night sometimes and then of course we'd swim That was our big thing is the farmer had a pool and we'd be up all night You know swimming and playing around in the pool all summer but at the end of the day, you had these jobs. And so I'm, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old, and we're driving vehicles. By the time we were 12, 13, you're driving a stick, and you're driving lots of vehicles. And my job, this one during silage season, was mostly, because I'm not doing anything with the hay yet, was mostly just to fill up vehicles and do all these different things. And so I fuel up. We had fuel tanks. We had two fuel tanks in the backside of our shop. And my job the other night was help grease things and help the tanks are full of fuel for the next day so they could get started and so one night we're in the pool hanging out and Robert was like Mike did you fill the did you fill the tractor? One of the two big tractors they owned. Um, and I was like, oh no. He's like, you got to fill the tractor for me so it'd be ready to go in the morning. I'm like, sure thing. So I jump in the tractor, thinking about the pool, of course, and drive the mile from the field across to the house all the way back to the shop. And I fuel this whole thing up and, you know, kind of get ready and great, you know, because it was only half, it was already half full We're about three quarters, only about a quarter full. So about three quarters empty. And I, I fuel it up and then drive back so I can park it. It's ready. And I jump back in the pool the next day I show up for my normal day of things. And I can tell they're kind of running behind and, and usually you kind of go to the field and you ride along with the guys in the trucks. And and Louise was driving into one of the tractors, doing some of the harvesting Robert's wife. and, And I was like, wow, you're, you're a little late today. I'm like, how's it going? And I'm riding along trying to get like the scoop for how things are going for the day for harvest. And she's like, um, you haven't seen Robert yet. Have you? And I was like, no, What? What are you talking about? And she said, "Um, you might need to go see Robert. And I was like, "Uh, uh, okay. And I went, I hopped out of the tractor as she's rolling along, and I hopped over to the other field and jumped in the vehicle with Robert. And I remember being like, when I saw the grin, I knew I was in trouble in some way. And I was like, what? He's like, so Mike, last night, um, you went over and fueled up the tractor, yeah? I'm like, yeah. What'd you put in it? And I was like, well, you know, I'm like, gas, I guess. I'm like, it was like always. Like I just, you know, <laughs> I had never fueled the tractor before. Um, and he's like, what was it? And I was like, well, probably gas. And he's like, um, Mike, do you know it goes in a tractor that runs on diesel? <laughs> I said, what? He's like, diesel. I had been in such a rush. It didn't even occur to me to think I had pumped a tank full of gasoline into a diesel engine. If you know anything about vehicles, you know that a gas engine, a diesel engine requires the grease that's in diesel for it to run. I legitimately pumped three quarters of a tank in a whole fuel that wasn't supposed to be there. And the next morning, they had started the tractor, got in the field, and thank God there had been a quarter of a tank because suddenly it started to act funny. They didn't know what the problem was. And they jumped out, and as they're dealing with it, somebody suddenly smells the gasoline while they're working on the tractor, and they ripped out the fuel filter and drained the tank, and they saved the engine. Um, Probably five more minutes, the engine would have seized. It would have seized up, and the tractor would be ruined. We're talking about the most expensive piece of equipment they own. I instantly want to throw up like I have made this stupid kid mistake and it is just ugly Uh, I put gasoline in a diesel engine tractor and almost cost him $100,000 I don't even know what to say at that point like I'm just losing it and he's like so, yeah, he's like, so why don't you just go back to the barn and work on stalls and different things? like? So I, went, I basically went and shoveled cow manure the rest of the day to ponder what I had done. And that night, as we're going home, Robert says to me, so, here's the tractor. Go fill it up. And I was like, no, 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 no. You do it. You do it. He's like, no, you need to fill up the tractors. He made me fill up both of them. And I took both tractors and just shaking pumped a a tank full of diesel into both tractors and went on. And then the next day, as we came in, um, again, no problem, second day, the right fuel or whatever, but I came in to discover in giant John Deere green, (laughs) the sides of the fuel tanks, a giant letter in green, hey Mike, this one's diesel. And everybody just laughed their heads off all day. Everybody's, and I was thinking so much about this. When it comes to failure, there's only two responses you have to learn and you have to laugh. Robert insisted that I have to go back and filter that tractor because he knew that I had to learn that it would be no good to be afraid. It would be no good to suddenly think that I was incompetent around machinery. He knew I was working on that farm for years. I had to have confidence. And the only way to deal with failure is to go, okay, try it again. You have to learn from it. Failure not learned from is a waste. Failure not di- dissected and moved on, if you don't, you know, that you then can move past, is leaving money on the table. Think about how many things in your moments of shame that you've run from, how many great expensive lessons you could have learned the first time if you just stopped and said, let me try this again. When it comes to failure, you've gotta learn. But the second thing is you gotta laugh. It's not, you know, thankfully, most of the time failure is not fatal. It can be costly. But at the very, if it's not fatal, you gotta laugh at it. You gotta not take it so, take it so seriously. When you put, when you put your your failure in the context of others, like it's less isolating. See, failure is isolating. It convinces us that no one else has ever screwed up the way we were, we've screwed up, and that no one else could do what we've done. And so we feel the shame. Man, if you can learn and laugh at failure you will be the most successful of everyone among your circle because the reality is you're going to extract every ounce of value from every moment not just the moment you succeed you're going to learn how to not do something again you're going to find the confidence to do what you've never done before and you're going to be able to laugh at moments that don't meet your expectations failure is key in our life because it can teach us so much but only if we'll let it help us learn and laugh What was the last failure you learned from? Who's somebody in your life that you know just laughs at failure and just kind of moves on? I'm grateful for people like Robert Gupta in my life who taught me that no matter my mistake, I could keep going. And Lord knows I made mistakes there, but I learned. There's so much of the resilience of my life that I learned because someone was willing to let me fail and willing to let me laugh and learn from it. Are you that person? If not, I suggest that you follow the relationships in your life enough to cultivate that. When you're leading a team, just institute laughing and learning. All right, guys, what did we we learn from this? What's the best joke we can make from this? If you would simply do that, what did I learn and what can I laugh at? Go ahead, I try it. Think of something you're really embarrassed at. Pause. What can you learn? What can you laugh at? It'll change how you see it. This has been the Following Relationship Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Please share this with somebody. Give a share. Smash a subscribe button if you're on Spotify or Apple or whatever. I'd love to hear your thoughts or questions. Drop me a note or shoot me a message. Thanks so much, guys. Love you. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Follow the Relationship Podcast. For more resources and information, please check out my website at www.michaeldafney.com. For free resources, you can check out my blog as well as my YouTube page and reach me through any social media channel, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter.